Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Pistons Talk podcast. And you guessed it. We'll only be talking about the Detroit Pistons. I'm Lance Caparossi. Follow me on Twitter at Lance Caparossi. Follow my co-host Anthony at Pistons Talk across all social media platforms. After you do that, go to Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And then subscribe, rate us, and drop a comment. But more importantly, tell a Pistons fan. All right, let's get this started. For sure. Uh, Scoot Henderson, a lot of people are going to be just so happy that he <laughs> did this. He shares a picture of Jaden Ivey and Jalen Dern. It's probably one of the coldest photos Probably in the NBA, definitely last season, but probably like out of the last two or three years. It's Jalen Dern celebrating a massive Jaden Ivey dunk where Jaden Ivey's just, you know, letting that energy out with a shout himself. It's a cool picture, but now, of course, people have overreacted to it. And Scoot Henderson apparently wants to be a Detroit Piston. That's what everybody's been saying. But you already know how I feel. It's so easy to quickly turn this conversation into would Scoot Henderson fit with Kate and Jed Ivy. At least it's easy for me. I think it's a cool thing. I think, I don't know if it's, I don't think Scoot Henderson's trying to tell us anything. I don't think he's saying like, look, I've been promised I'm going to be a Detroit Piston if they're able to pick me. I don't think he's saying that. I just think he's recognizing, hey, this is, he's probably some guys he's played AAU with or played against over the course of his career. And he's just celebrating a cool photo. That's all I think it is, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you do go on his Instagram, it, it should still be up. Uh, this was an NBA post, and it was some of the best NBA photos uh, I got shared out through, throughout the year. And one of the pictures was Jade Nivey and Jalen Duran. So, I mean, Scoot could have shared any other picture, but he decided to share Jade Nivey and Jalen Duran, and he put a fire emoji right next to Jade Nivey. So maybe it's more of him saying, hey, I want to play with Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran. Oh, dude, don't say that. People are going to act crazy when you say that. I I don't I, – I mean, okay, look. Scoot and Jaden Ivey, that would be fun. That would be a fun, entertaining backcourt. I don't know how many wins it gets you, but it would be fun, definitely. But you already got Cade, so I'm going to have to pass on it. But cool of Scoot Henderson to pick that photo – Probably had a lot to do with the teal jerseys, though. Those are classics. Everybody loves those jerseys. Mm-hmm. So just the, you know, just the the iconic '90s image of a new future All Star, superstar, whatever you want to call him, and Jaden Ivey throwing it down. Just an just a cool photo, man. Just that's all it was. 
That's for sure. I, I actually didn't see this. I, I did want to give Rob a shout out who is watching live on YouTube in the chat. He said, Scoot said he wanted to play with a guy like Chris Paul and John Morant. That's Caden Ivy. He clearly wants to play here, which is kind of weird. LOL. But with both, uh, I can't even say anything. I mean, damn, everything I say, Scoot Anderson's like, yeah, I'm beating this motherfucker to the punch. But yeah, like <laughs> I like I've said before, I think I said it last week. Like Scoot Henderson with either Kate or Jaden Ivy or a John Moran or a Chris Paul would be pretty cool. I just don't know if all three of those work together on the floor outside of like a team USA thing. Like over an 82 games and potential playoffs. I just don't I mean because you're, you're bringing in two guys, you're asking two guys or a guy like Cade Cunningham to completely change his game from being a, a lead guard if you were to draft Scoot Henderson. You know, you're asking him to change his game when the, the big advantage of drafting was having a six foot six guard that could see over the top of the defense and make plays. And then if you're asking him not to do that, what was the point of drafting him in the first place? But again, that's a different conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you want to kind of just like overanalyze it, sure. I mean, on paper, yeah. it, it looks cool, but like in reality, you're like oh, maybe this will work, maybe it won't. But you know, draft lotteries, I believe, sixteen days away, so we'll see what pick the Detroit Pistons will have. But it, it's cool to see, you know, a, a top five prospect share that because he didn't have to do that, you know. What we talked about last week of him saying, hey, you know, I want to be the first overall pick. I think I'm better than Victor. Yeah. Um, he's he's the only prospect to actually kind of have, you know, that confidence and to actually get it interview with GQ and, you know, kind of put his name out there. All the other prospects have been extremely quiet. Hey, I mean, usually prospects are, though, aren't they? We don't – it's kind of rare for a guy to come out and talk a little bit before he gets – I mean, sometimes you hear a little bit of noise about, you know, you might get a sound bite if they ask you, like, who do you want to dunk on? Who do you want to defend? Who do you want to play one-on-one? -on -one? You might get a sound bite from that and those questions. But you're right. Yeah, we haven't had, like, a rookie, it seems like – I mean, not even, like, someone like Zion Williamson, who you knew was just going to be good when he's healthy on the floor, or even someone like a John Moran, a very exciting player – we didn't hear anything from him. So, I mean, it's kind of cool that Scoot is talking. I, I mean, I love the confidence. I said that last week as well, but, you know, yeah. it is what it is. I mean, I remember when Kate said that uh, he wanted to dunk on Stephen A. Smith, and I, this made me uh, love him like 10 times more. I was just like, hell yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot that he wanted to dunk on Stephen A. Smith, but, hey, I get it. Um. Do you think the Cavaliers losing with two bigs will influence Troy Weaver's decision to continue with two bigs? This has been an interesting conversation. I mean, it's positionless basketball, so at any point you can have guys playing that big spot. But the last few years we've seen teams move away from two seven-footers like what we saw Cleveland play with this past season and Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. But they got dominated by Mitchell Robinson of the New York Knicks. They lost. I think they only they lost in five, right? That series only went five games. You know I what? So. I don't even know. Like I've been working so much that I have not actually watched one ounce of playoff basketball since it started. Oh my gosh, you've missed so many great games. I know. Probably over the past three weeks, I've probably covered twenty four games, like high school games. I mean, I'm doing double headers. I'm doing lacrosse. Like, dude, like I'm like knee deep in high school sports right now, but. I am going to commit to start watching some playoff basketball because apparently I'm missing some really good series and it kind of pisses me off. Um, but to your question with, with the bigs, um, 
when I look at the bigs in Cleveland versus what New York had, because New York had two bigs as well. Yeah. You know, they had Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle. Um, if you look at Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, both of those guys are non-perimeter type of bigs, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think Julius Randle is the type of big that you have to pair um, if you want to do a, a two-big lineup because Julius Randle has a mid-range game. He can play in the post. I'm sure he can hit a three-point shot if he's wide open. And that's why I think Troy Weaver is probably going to stay pat because he has Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart is the key to a two-big lineup possibly working. Then maybe you fall in the draft. You have a Jarace Walker that you could pair with James Wiseman or Jalen Duran, or you have a Cam Whitmore that makes more sense. Um, I think Troy Weaver's vision for the two-big lineup is something that he still wants to do because he hasn't really seen it for a full 82 games. And I, yeah. I for me, I would be very surprised if, you know, he's been preaching two bigs since he's got here saying that he loves centers. I'd be very surprised if he just said, yeah, doesn't work because he's invested so much draft capital into it. I mean, you traded Sadiq Bay for James Wiseman. You, you traded a second-round pick for Marvin Bagley. Um, you, you traded a future first for Isaiah Stewart. He's invested a lot into these bigs, so I'd be very surprised to see him just say, yep, yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, but I mean, I I guess it's more about you, – you, you made a point about the type of bigs you're bringing in. And it feels like with James Wiseman, Duran, and – uh, Marvin Bagley. We know Marvin Bagley has a little bit of an outside shot. He's just very inconsistent from there. But with the bigs that he has brought in, it doesn't seem like it's going to work like it does for the Boston Celtics or the New York Knicks that just got to the second round. You know, I mean, I feel like at some point, you know, it's just going to be Duran with four other guys, six, eight or shorter out there. And we're going to see more of a modern NBA offense instead of two bigs with the Detroit Pistons. I mean, obviously you got Isaiah Stewart, but you know, we know his shortcomings already. Like, is he going to be the starting four or the starting, you know, even starting for us for the Detroit Pistons, you know, all of next season, or is it going to be a Bowie on, or is it going to be an Isaiah livers, or is it going to be one of the rookies they draft with the top five? There's still a lot of questions, but I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think Cleveland losing means Troy Weaver's just going to scrap the two big lineup, you know, altogether. But I think he, it's going to be take a little bit more time of getting it right, just because you know we have two bigs in James Wiseman and Marvin Bagley, where they're close to being modern bigs with the outside shooting, but they're just not there yet. They're more of your classic bigs that like to play near the basket with their back to it. So we'll see, man. But again, yeah. I'm with you. I don't see Cle uh, Troy Weaver just throwing it out the window. I, I did want to add to it because it, when I saw this topic in the prep sheet, it had me thinking because, like, obviously a lot of people look at Cleveland as kind of the success of having yeah. two non-shooting bigs. But, I mean, if you look at Boston, for example, they have Al Horford and Robert Williams starting most nights, right? Yep. I think if you want to have a two-big lineup, you're going to have to have a guy. I think Tony said it very well. You're going to have to have the guy that can rebound. You have to have a guy that can shoot threes and facilitate, basically. And Al Horford does all three of those things. Um, I just, I, I think Isaiah Stewart has the potential to stretch the floor. He has the potential to switch. Um, like you've said before, he has really good footwork for a defender. His only weakness, I would kind of say, is rebounding. And I'd be nitpicking at it, if I'm being honest with you. But I think a two-big lineup can work. It's just you're going to have to find 
one of those guys to like really, you know, be that glue so you can try to keep doing that too big lineup. I, I think it can work. It's just you need the right pieces in place. And I'm not sure if the Pistons have the right bigs in place, but um, you know, we saw when James Wiseman and Jalen Dern were out there. I mean, they were passing to each other, they were rebounding, they were affecting the game defensively. Uh, they weren't blocking a ton of shots, but they were affecting shots. And I, I think that's what Troy Weaver's vision was, is, you know, trying to, you know, protect that paint so you don't have, you know, guards just going into the lane and getting easy baskets. So I think it can work. It's just you have to get those right type of bigs to, to make sure uh, that they complement everyone else on the court. So out of the two, let's just look at the Eastern Conference. Out of the two teams that go with two big lineups, Boston and New York, which – team would you want the Pistons to copy like when they how they use their two bigs Boston with Al Horford and Robert Williams or how New York uses Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson like what's the recipe you want probably Boston just because I I, I like Al, Al Horford's game a lot yeah. I think what Julius Randle does I think only Julius Randle can do if that makes sense He's yeah. just one of those players where you know you, you can give him like 10 touches in the paint and like he's probably gonna score seven of them um, I don't really know if James Wiseman has that in his game yet. I mean, to me, this, this was James Wiseman's rookie year, if you think about it. Like, yeah. him and Jalen Durham basically played the same amount of games, and James Wiseman's been in the league for three years. Um, so there's a lot of potential on this team, but you just have to kind of preach patience with these Pistons fans because, you know, you know how they are and how impatient they are, and they think that we should be in the NBA Finals every year. Well, I mean, I think that too. I think that's fair if you're a Pistons fan. You gotta think you're gonna go to the NBA Finals every single year. But <laughs> yeah, um, let's talk about NBA rivalries. I saw this tweet. I'm trying to pull up if it was NBA University or another account that pulled that up. But basically, we're talking NBA rivalries. And this tweet had said the two rivals for the Detroit Pistons are the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the Chicago Bulls and a potential rival is with the Orlando Magic. I agree on that one. But do you think the Pistons rivals right now are the Chicago Bulls and the Cleveland Cavaliers? Because I think it's a couple different teams. I don't think it's either of those two. I've never really got – I mean, I wasn't around for the bad boys. So I understand why people still carry that rivalry over. But I feel like that really hasn't been a rivalry for a long time between those two. But what about you? Like – who do you would you agree with those two teams being Pistons rivals right now, or would you disagree with that? I would say Bulls just because of Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan. Yeah, um, I think that's a rivalry. Um, it's funny because I I put the Kings and the Rockets in this lower third just because those are the two fan bases that usually talk the most shit to Pistons fans as of late. But I don't really think it's a rivalry. I think it's a shit-talking at the end of the day. I, I don't really think the Pistons have any new rivalries in the NBA. I don't think it's Orlando. Uh, why? Because Killian Sucker Punch, Mo Wagner in the back of the head? That's not really that a adds rivalry. To it. That's not really a rivalry. It's just, you know, a cheap shot punch. Um, Cleveland, I don't really see that as, as a rivalry. Why? Because LeBron, you know, dropped 25 on you like 10 years ago. Like, that's not really a rivalry. I, I think the only rivalry for the Detroit Pistons is probably the Chicago Bulls, and maybe you can put the Lakers in there. Ooh, so I got two I got two teams that I'm gonna drop to you. Cause I took I didn't say the Sacramento Kings and the Houston Rockets because when I put this online, 
it seemed one of the I'm trying to find what someone had reached out what had, they had tweeted at me. Basically, they said it could never be a rivalry with the Houston Rockets or the Sacramento Kings because they won't play each other enough throughout the year. Which I don't think th- I don't think that means anything to a rivalry. Like you got to play, obviously, but. I, I just just because you don't play four times a year doesn't mean it couldn't be a rivalry. I thought there had a real chance between Jalen Green and Kate Cunningham. Just everybody close their eyes and just go back for a moment and just go back to summer league and just remember when Jalen Green tried to dunk on Kate and he was all up in his face about it, but Kate still won the game. That to me was the beginning of a rivalry between the Houston Rockets and the Detroit Pistons. Now it's like a new generation rivalry where we're never going to fight when we're at the games. And we're all just going to, you know, like get in like a line and give each other high fives and say good game at the end of the game. But I still think there's potential for a rivalry between those two because the fan bases, man, like what you were saying. And also with the Sacramento Kings, like I tweeted out who is rooting for the Sacramento Kings. You said, fuck them. Some other people said, (laughs) fuck them, which was great. (laughs) And dude, I mean, I don't know where I was going with that, but. To me, like how we've had Kings fans, like even in these podcasts, like, you know, hollering at us or whatever, trying to, you know, get in our heads. I really think there's a rivalry between Kings and Pistons fans as well. But my other teams for you are Indiana Pacers. That's one I would want to say. And then the Toronto Raptors, just because of the Dwayne Casey factor. And because he's he's gone now, so it doesn't matter. He's still with the team. But also Raptors fans, for some reason, they always make it to LCA. Like, they fill out the arena sometimes, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, they're coming down from Windsor and, you know, taking a bus ride from Toronto. I mean, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think Tony said it perfectly. He, he said the only rivalries that he would consider are the the Lakers, the Celtics, and the Bulls. And I think those are the only rivalries that the Pistons have really had. I mean, like – it kind of depends of how you view a rivalry. If you're talking about just shit talking on Twitter, then yeah, hundred percent agree with you. Rockets, Kings, Pacers, um, Magic, hundred percent. But if you're talking about teams that have beat each other in the playoffs and had playoff battles, then that's when you can kind of say, you know, possibly the Pacers. If you you want to throw, you know, the Malice in the Palace in there, even though you know the Pistons were kicking their ass once we got Rashid. Um, Obviously, the Lakers, we, we've met them in the finals a few times, and every time we do meet them in the finals, it's always a great matchup, and the Pistons have won a couple NBA finals when they did meet the Lakers there. Um, and the Celtics, I mean, you know, you can go back to the bad boy days with Isaiah Thomas and his team versus Larry Bird and, you know, his great stacked teams. I mean, I, I think if you're a Detroit Pistons fan, you, you know that it's Celtics, Lakers, and Bulls. Anything else is just shit talking on Twitter. But those sound; those are more like all-time rivalries, the Chicago Bulls, Lakers, and the Celtics. But don't you think that rivalries can just exist in certain eras, though, too? Like, I would have said during the going-to-work squad, the Indiana Pacers or the New Jersey Nets, those were kind of rivalries just for a few years with the Pistons. I think rivalries can begin and die just within an era of certain players. Like, I said Indiana just because there's always going to be that connection to Benedict Matherin and Jaden Ivey, you know, like, and it's always going to come down to, you know, who should the Pistons have taken really, Benedict Matherin or Jaden Ivey, you know. I think almost every Pistons fan is happy with Jaden Ivey, but there's still a small minority that are like, well, Benedict Matherin might have fit. So there's always going to be that conversation. I think that adds to it. But then with Toronto, like I've already made the case, like they come down 
and they're at our games, they're cheering. You know, I mean, I've heard a lot of boos at LCA when the Toronto Raptors are in town, and that's supposed to be a home court game. So I think even with them, it can be a rivalry. It doesn't mean it's an all-time rivalry. It yeah. just means for like another five or six years, these are – because there have been times when the Pistons have been good when the Bulls have sucked and when the Celtics have sucked that, you know, the Pistons were good. And then when those two teams were good, the Pistons have been terrible. So the rivalry was just it, – it, it's a legendary rivalry between Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan. I just don't think it stands – you know, on any ground now as a rivalry in modern basketball. But that's just my two cents. Yeah, like I said, I, I, I think we don't have any real rivalries right now. I, I think they're just shit talking on Twitter. Um, Like, even though I have Jalen Green and Keegan Murray in, in, in this graphic, I'm actually really good friends with a lot of Rockets fans. Like, Rockets fans on Twitter, I, I think – are probably one of the most genuine, nicest people I've ever interacted with on Twitter. Like Rockets Twitter is awesome. I have no beef with any Rockets fans. And I think I have beef with them because I'm a Piston fan. I don't. Like, I, I think they're awesome. I've I've even told Rockets fans, like, half of your draft picks, I wanted the Pistons to draft. Like, I wanted the Pistons to keep Kevin Porter Jr. I wanted Josh Christopher. I was surprised when Sangoon fell out of the lottery. Like, they have a really nice young core, and they probably have a – a coach that a lot of Pistons fans want. So, I mean, hey, man, like, the, the Rockets are a, a great up-and-coming team just like the Pistons, and I'll I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, there have been a handful of guys, Josh Christopher, Kevin Porter Jr., when he landed there, that was kind of crazy. I mean, Sangoon was awesome. But, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I just want there to be more rivalries. I want there to be a little hatred. When guys are playing on the floor, when I go to a game, I want to feel it. I want I wanted mm -hmm. Jalen Green to remain a Houston Rocket, so when he's at the free throw line, we can all chant number two to him. You know, I wanted that when we're at, when we're all at LCA. I want that bad blood. You know, just for fun. You know, I don't really want anybody getting hurt, but I want when these two teams are playing, we're just at each other's throats. That's what I. Well, want. we got to start winning if you want a rivalry. Can't win. Can't can't have a seventeen win team and say, "Oh, you're a rival." But like, dude, everyone's <laughs> your rival because you're getting your ass kicked every game. <laughs> but there are certain ass kickings the Detroit Pistons have taken in the past couple of years that just seemed more demoralizing because it was like a Houston Rocket or a Sacramento King or a Toronto Raptor. Like I don't know why I hate when the Indiana Pacers beat a Detroit Pist beat the Detroit Pistons. I just I fucking hate it. I don't know why. Maybe because I grew up hating the Pacers when I was younger when the Pistons were really good. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But um, let's talk about this next one. This is an interesting topic. Like, I am not in favor of this. But could you see Troy Weaver trading the fifth pick? Would trading the fifth pick for DeAndre Hunter or a player of his caliber be a mistake? I think it was James Edwards that talked about this in one of his athletic articles recently where he had mentioned that there's a possibility that the Pistons trade the fifth pick. He had mentioned DeAndre Hunter. I don't know if he meant – like just trade the fifth pick straight up for DeAndre Hunter to Atlanta. I hate that pick. Like I would rather just roll 
with the drafted guy at five than trading for DeAndre Hunter. But what are your thoughts on this, man? Could you see Troy Weaver trading the pick? Yeah, I, I had read that article. I, I know he, I did see DeAndre Hunter in there. I even saw OG Ananobi, who I, I think you do remember, he was probably one of the most you know targeted uh, guys during the trading deadline because he was a wing that you know uh, a lot of teams wanted. Um, I could see the Pistons trading the pick if they're at five. Um, Ooh, just okay. because do you really get excited for a Cam Whitmore? Do you really get excited for a Jarace Walker? Um, I personally could see the Thompson twins going three, four. I, 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 that's how highly I think of them. And I, I, th- I think a lot of people, once they, you know, get past the overtime elite highlights, they'll see that they're talented players, kind of like how Shaden Sharp was viewed last year. If you do remember, like a lot of people it's like, oh, Hey, he, he only played you know, high school ball. He's not that good of a player. Well, he was a pretty damn good player. Um, getting yeah. to your question, could I see, you know, Troy trading the pick? Only if it's at five and, you know, the offer's right. I mean, I'm I'm not trading, you know, the fifth pick for a C-plus player. I mean, unless I'm getting a, like a, a B-plus player, then I would consider it. So I was looking up some trade packages that you could potentially do. And Brandon Ingram, potentially for the fifth pick. I know we were talking about this one time, but – I need a guy that's in that is a potential all-star player, you know, with the fifth pick, man. Like I just need a guy that I'm not going to worry about. Like DeAndre Hunter, there's still so many questions about his game. He disappears a lot for the Atlanta Hawks. And if you're disappearing for him, why would we trade a fifth pick? Like, is he, I don't know. So like I looked up uh, Brandon Ingram, you could trade Bojan the fifth pick and probably Marvin Bagley. Obviously this is in our favor, but I, I don't see New Orleans doing this at all either, mm-hmm. but they're, they're, that's the type of player I want for the fifth pick. I've also talked about Keldon Johnson. There's a couple trades that you could do to bring him in for the fifth pick. I would not be disappointed with that, but that's kind of the range of player that I'm looking for. Anywhere from like a Keldon Johnson, a guy in his still in his early 20s, to a guy in his mid to late 20s, like a Brandon Ingram, that is just, you know, has so far had a pretty good NBA career has already made an all-star appearance, but it still looks like there's a little bit more to go. Because it's the fifth pick, man. We can't be devaluing that. There's still a lot of value to be had with the fifth pick. Like, But if it's for DeAndre Hunter, I'm saying pass on that trade and just taking my chances in the draft with that pick. But. Yeah, like if you would have – let's say we don't get Jaden Ivey and like we, we fell really far, then I would, I would say the Pistons would probably keep the fifth pick. But, yeah, you know, reading all these articles from these beat reporters – they keep saying that the Pistons want to be more competitive. They want to win more than 20 games. So for me, I think they're on the phone with Toronto seeing who's available because Toronto basically is having a fire sale right now. They're saying everyone but Scotty Barnes is available. You can have anybody but Scotty Barnes. So maybe they have the fifth pick. Maybe they're trying to put a a package together to get an OG Ananobi, which – to me, that would be a dream scenario. To me, That's, I think OG is on par with the Brandon Ingram. I, I think he's better than Kelvin Johnson. I think you insert him into a Detroit Pistons lineup, you're going to have a 3 and D wing that can basically guard four positions. But to me, that would be a dream scenario if the Pistons could land an OG and an OB. It probably doesn't happen. He probably goes to a team like I don't know. Um, I, I could see him going into the Kings. I, I don't know why because they just got bounced out by Steph Curry. And that they're probably going to want to get better. But 
to me, like that's the only type of player that I would actually consider. And I don't know if the Raptors would be that high on the fifth pick. Um, Cause to me, I think the Raptors just need to blow it up and rebuild personally. It looks like they're going to try to retool and just try to push for the playoffs. They're going to pull a Washington. And I don't really understand why. Um, you just had your head coach quit and no one wants to take that job. Even Udoka said he didn't want the job. So, I mean, it kind of, t- it's kind of a red flag when, you know, a, a, a primetime head coaching candidate basically says, I don't want, th- I don't want the job. But don't you think like a guy like OG Ananubi could be available because this is such a deep, a deep draft? Like, I mean, we're talking, I mean, didn't, weren't we talking like basically at one point, Picks four through seven or four through eight could go in any order. Basically, we kind of know who the top three guys are all already. And uh, I mean, you could have a debate who the top three guys are right now. I don't. I don't think it's Victor Scoot and Brandon Miller. I, I could see one of the Thompson brothers going three. Um, <sighs> I don't know. We'll see. I, they're nice, man. But um, honestly, man, like Toronto, I would keep an eye on if I'm a Piston fan. Because Toronto has some pretty young, nice pieces. I even see Siakam getting dealt because there's a lot of money left on his deal. I think he's got maybe two or three years, but he's a, a win-now player. I don't know if the Pistons are ready for a player like a Siakam, like a win-now player. But um, to me personally, I, I, I just I can't see the Pistons being satisfied with keeping a fifth pick. I mean, adding another young player, I don't. Yeah, like potentially, like oh, we're getting another young prospect. That, you know, the sells to the franchise or the franchise to the fans. I personally think, you know, the Pistons they want to get into the play and they they don't want to you know look from the outside. They don't want to be, you know, watching all these playoffs. You know, come you know April, they know their season's over. Um, we actually want to be playing meaningful basketball in March, not having an injury report longer than a football field. Like they want to play meaningful basketball, and I, I think. You know, if you have the fifth pick, I wouldn't be surprised if they traded it either. I know James Edwards has been preaching that for a couple of months, and I 100% agree with him. Yeah, but again, like, I just I just didn't like the trade scenario of DeAndre Hunter. I, did not, I do not think – I would rather keep the fifth pick if he's the only guy that's available. I mean, I'm sure pretty much every team in the NBA has some type of player that they could trade and be willing to trade for for the fifth pick. Because, one, this is a deep draft class, but also even if you're, like, a contender – and you can add a fifth pick. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I guess a lot of teams wouldn't want to do that. But there's a lot of teams out there that would be picking up the phone. I just think DeAndre Hunter, that's a disservice to your team. I don't know how he makes the team better right away. Like, if you're really trying to get into the playoffs and make a push, that fifth pick needs to – you need to get – like you were saying, you need to get a B-plus type of player, man, someone that's mm-hmm. in that tier, you know? Like that, that's what you have to get. And DeAndre Hunter is not that. That's pretty much why I wanted to bring up the topic because, like, I saw his name in there and I was super confused. And I'm like, what am I missing with DeAndre Hunter? You know, like, I, I, I don't know what I'm missing, but I mean, yeah, he, he's a, he's a great player. Don't, don't get it twisted. But I, I, I think he's not really a player where you could plug it, plug him into a Detroit Pistons roster and you're like, wow, that's an all star. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, possibly maybe you do a sign and trade with Portland for the fifth pick. Who knows what Portland's going to do? They they want to keep Dame happy. Maybe they trade Dame. Maybe Jeremy Grant's back on the Pistons. You never really know. Or maybe you go for an Anthony Simons or something That's like cool. that. Like, 
there's so many teams this summer that I would keep my eye on. Toronto and Portland would be probably one and two on the top of my board because something's going to happen with Dame, whether he gets traded to a team like Philly or they do a three-team trade. Maybe the Pistons can get involved in that. But you never really know, man. There's a lot of teams that got bounced or didn't make the playoffs that the Pistons could you know, use their cap space in trades and not actually go after anyone in free agency. You never really know. Troy hasn't really been a guy to, you know, splurge in free agency. He's always kind of used his cap space with trades. So uh, if I'm a Piston fan, I, I would definitely look in the trade market for, you know, the $28 million of cap that we do actually have. Man, I wish there were more rumors of guys coming to Detroit, you know. <laughs> like, it'd be kind of cool right now just to get a rumor of, like, Jalen Brown being interested in being traded to the Detroit Pistons. Like, someone like a Jalen Brown, I would love him for the fifth pick. You know, I doubt Boston does that, but man, that would be incredible. He uh, could Houston might get him though. Yeah, well, I mean, you're giving up Jalen Green. He's kind of proven in the NBA already, which that would that kind of surprised me too already. Like wanting to dump Jalen Green, but I I get it, I guess. You know, I mean, if you got a chance to head Jalen Brown, why not? But I'm I'm in the school of thought that the Pistons keep the fifth pick unless there's a I don't want to say a godfather type offer, but unless you're you're getting like an all-star type player that's going to move the needle in the win column, I don't expect this trade to be this pick to be traded. Yeah, it's just Dylan Green thing. I was kind of surprised by, and then people are kind of saying that it wasn't a real report. Jake Fisher made it up, which <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if you do see. Um, Jalen Brown in Houston because Yudoka's there. Um, like with Houston hiring Yudoka, I know this is completely off topic, but I could totally see Houston just being a win now team and just going for it because they have $60 million in cap space. Jeez. And a ton of young assets. That they could just, you know, put a, a win now, you know, roster together. I mean, they could go after James Harden if he, you know, doesn't want to return to Philly. Because I personally think they're going to get swept if Joel Embiid doesn't play. Like, you never know. Kyrie Irving's a just – you never know. Like, the Rockets think they're going to get Kyrie and James Harden and just, you know, win the West. But if, if you ask them. I thought Kyrie Irving was going with the Clippers to play with Kawhi and Paul George for, like, 52 games or something. Yeah. Um, we can move on to uh, news, though, if you want. For sure. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, Jaden Ivey finished sixth in Rookie of the Year voting, according to Omari Sankofa. I'm not. I'm not surprised. Like I didn't. I never thought Jaden Ivey would be Rookie of the Year. That was Paolo Bancaro's first week of the season. We already all knew that. But I definitely thought there would be a few more votes for him. It just goes to show you the voters didn't watch Detroit. You did not watch Jaden Ivey. And because the voting, the votes that came in, it made it very clear. This was a guy that developed right before our eyes as a catch and shoot player, as a playmaker. Things we've preached, we've talked about this for weeks now on the podcast, his development as a rookie, how he was doing things as a rookie that we didn't think we'd see till like year two or year three 
from him in his game. And just goes to show you his dedication to his craft and the hard work he's willing to put into it. Yeah, he, he, he deserved it a little bit more. And I also think this is foreshadowing of him not being on the all-rookie first team. I think the five guys that got more votes for ahead of him, more than him, they are going to be ahead of him on the all-rookie first team. Yeah. I, I'm already preparing myself to be disappointed. And it is disappointing because it's a deserving honor for Jaden Ivey, man. I'm not even looking at it as just a fan. Like, it is cool when you have rookies that, that do get these honors. Like, it's, it's cool to celebrate them. But, you know, I mean, that's not what it's about. But for Jaden Ivey's self and his career and to add to his resume, he deserved better than sixth and rookie of the year. And he deserves all rookie first team, man. He really does. Yeah, I'm not really surprised by it. I know I, I, I remember we were – we had a topic – I think you you had uh, said, could you see Jaden Ivey making all first team? And I joked and I said, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if he made second team. And you're like, dude, there's no way. He, he's got to be first team. He doesn't have to. Like like you said, not a lot of whole, not a lot of media members watch Detroit. And again, 17 wins. You're not really giving them a whole lot to watch. Um if you did watch every Detroit Piston game this year, you were a Saint. And I pray that, you know, maybe you're watching a 40-win team next year. <laughs> but it doesn't surprise me that he finished sixth. I probably would have put him fifth um, j just because I, I think there were times where he was phenomenal, but there were also times this season where I kind of wanted more. And I, I think that's why the voters did – you know, put him sixth. I, I, I don't think it's like, I'm not going to beat on my chest and say Detroit versus everybody, but I, I think he was one of the best rookies this year. I, I do think he does deserve on, to be the, you know, the guard for a rookie first team, but I would not be surprised if he, him and Jalen Dern are in the second team together. It kind of annoys me just a little bit. Cause I'm looking back at Jalen. Jalen Williams had a phenomenal rookie year, by the way. Oh yeah. But I'm just shocked that, I just feel like he came onto the scene later on in the season and people are like, oh, he's been doing this all year. Did you know he had two games where he scored one point in them? He had two games where he just scored one point and played 34 and 29 minutes. And I'm only pointing out those two games because, like, I just wanted to see because I was a little confused by Jalen Williams because I, I was under the impression that he had kind of came out the gates kind of slow for the Oklahoma City Thunder, which is understandable because – you have SGA, you have Josh Giddy, you have a bunch of Lou Dort, a handful of other young guys on the perimeter. So it'd be hard for him to get minutes right away. But why, why, why are the bad games? Not, why is, why is the slow start? And why are the bad games not being held accountable? And he finished top three in rookie of the year voting. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, I just wish the criteria and the standards for which we hold rookies would be the same throughout the NBA. You know, because we talked about it a couple, I don't know, probably almost two months ago when Paolo Bencaro finished with Rookie of the Month over Jaden Ivey when he shot like 2% from the three-point line. But I'm looking at Jalen Williams, again, pretty good rookie year, but he had a handful of games where he just disappeared. And it just doesn't seem like it was being held against him. And looking back at the numbers, I don't think he had a better rookie season than Jaden Ivey. I don't think... I think if you were to watch every game both of these guys played in and really watched every game, you would come away saying Jaden Ivey had a better rookie year. Yeah, um, I, I I think 
obviously you can kind of look at the box scores if you want to do that. But I, I kind of think when you look at rookie of the years over the past three years, it's always been a team award for some reason. You, you look at last year when we were saying, you know, Cade should be rookie of the year, but Scotty Barnes won it because Toronto made the playoffs. I, I think to your question, why didn't the media kind of say like, well, he only had one point. In uh, I don't know if it was back-to-back games or maybe it wasn't within the same month. I think it's because OKC was, you know, a playing team to, I, I believe they made the playoffs this year. And I, I think that's the reason why Jalen Williams finished third. And the reason why Paolo won rookie of the year is because Orlando had over 30 wins. It's always been a winning award and it shouldn't be. I think it should be more of an individual award. But that, that's just been my stance on it. But I, I can kind of understand where, you know, the media does say, you know, well, Paolo won 38 games this year. We're going to give him rookie of the year. Um, you know, Jaden Ivey won 17. So they kind of look at it from a team standpoint. or like, well, yeah, you're putting up em- empty stats on a terrible team. So obviously you're not that good. That's kind of the thought process that I see this from a 30,000 foot view. Uh, with these media members is they look at the stats and they look at the win totals. And if you don't have good stats and you're on a good team, then they don't look at you. And I think that's why Jaden Ivey finished sixth because he was putting up great stats, but he, the Pistons were winning a whole lot of games. Yeah. I mean, I get it, but also at the same time, I just, I just wish there was a better way of doing this. You know, I mean, I just, I yeah, mean, again, I like I, I'm not trying to take anything away from Jalen Williams. I just want the guys that play in Detroit to have a fair chance. You know, did, talk about the guys that play in Detroit just like you talk about every every other rookie. You know, don't hold it against them because they play in Detroit. You know, even if Detroit, like, yeah, it was a 17-win season, but if you're a fan of basketball, there were some moments during the season, especially watching Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran, where even if the Pistons lost, you were still walking away impressed with those mm-hmm. two. You know, even if the team was bad, you were still like, okay, cool. Like I got to watch, I still got to watch an entertaining game because Jaden Ivey put on and so did Jalen Duran. And I don't know. I just think if you're a voter, you there there should be some accountability and you should have to watch a few more of these guys. play. I'm not saying watch all 82 games, but watch enough games where you can kind of get an idea of who these players are. That's the problem with it, man. It's just you're asking somebody to invest, you know, time, money, energy, on a bad basketball team. And I think that's why you always see, you know, you know, K getting shafted last year, finishing third. And obviously Jaden Ivey, we, we, we did not think Jaden Ivey was going to win rookie of the year straight no, up. Yeah, we both, yeah, we no, both we said Paulo Bancaro, but yep. to your point, you're like, he should have finished at least third because he had one of the better rookie campaigns. But I, I, you, you basically have your answer is if you're not winning, then you're not even going to get recognized. Jalen Williams was on a winning team, so he got recognized. That's all it is. I know, and it sucks. That's all. It just sucks. That's it. Yeah. I don't know. Because I don't know when we're going to have another rookie that I'm going to be able to root for. Like, like root for him like I've been able to root for Cade and Jaden Ivey. You know, because when those two stepped in, you're like, oh, dude, there's a chance. Like, I don't know about you, but I've never been able to watch a Detroit rookie come close to winning rookie of the year. It's been a lot of fun the last two seasons to actually have two guys in the conversation. I think that stuff is neat. That's just my opinion, though. I love watching stuff like that. When the Pistons draft Scoot, you can root for him. Uh, We'll see. You know, I mean, I will. I will. But we'll actually, let's move on to the next topic. We can talk about that. 
So for, for sure. the next topic, it's probably going to be one of our longer ones because famously you and I do usually go on for like 20 minutes, at least on one topic, every mm-hmm. podcast. It's a, I think last week we had two 20-minute topics just on Scoot Henderson. It was incredible. <laughs> but um, for this next topic, we're going to be drafting one through five for the Detroit Pistons. So we're each going to go first pick. We're each going to give our answers second, third, fourth, and fifth. Probably give you a little reason why we're going with that player at that need and at that pick, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Do you want to go first with the first pick, and then you know I'll start with the second, or how do you want to do this? Uh, why don't you give me your five, and I'll oh, give okay. you my five because they'll be completely different. You you don't think we're going to have any – even the first the first pick we're both going to agree on, though. Yeah. It's sure. uh, Victor Wenebanya. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a seven-foot-three Kevin Durant, bro. I mean, there's – if you are kidding yourself as a fan of the game of basketball, if you would take any other player number one overall, you would be kidding yourselves. I mean, this dude is a generational talent. He's a unicorn, can put the ball on the floor defensively. He could play drop. He could play, you know, he could play as a help defender like Giannis does in Milwaukee. He could play to the point where you could just switch him all over the floor because he has that type of foot speed, that type of lateral quickness. This dude is just special it does not matter who is on your team you need a victor w man because he will be bringing the w's to your team (laughs) he's just an incredible player man number one unanimously in my opinion number two i when i'm doing these drafts i don't just i don't if you listen to this podcast you know i'm not going best player available i'm always going to add fit into it because i feel like fit is part of the equation when it comes to drafting guys like if you have two players like what you do in Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson, who I believe the talent gap isn't that large between each other, if there are nine boxes and they're, you know, checking, you know, let's just say Scoot Henderson is better in two boxes, Brandon Miller is better in these boxes, I feel like a tenth box could come into place and that is fit, and I think that adds value to the equation. So I'm actually going to go Brandon Miller at number two for the Detroit Pistons. That's no surprise if you've been watching this. I mean – Six foot eight, six foot nine can play both ways. I don't need him to be a shot creator on the Detroit Pistons. I need him to be a shot maker, can run the pick and roll, tighter handle, started finishing at the rim. I think around like 65% starting at the end of December, going on to the rest of the season. I know people, he didn't have a great NCAA tournament, but he was a little banged up. You know, I mean, he was carrying the Alabama team all year. So Brandon Miller would be my number two. Number three, and I'm sure some people will roll my eyes when I say this, but I would definitely take Scoot Henderson at number three because if he's available at three, I believe the the talent gap between Scoot Henderson and the guy I have at four is it would be too big for me to just it would be too big for me to ignore. You know, I, it would be stupid of me to say any other player other than Scoot Henderson at number three. He's an explosive six foot two point guard, kind of in the same breath as a Derrick Rose, big body, strong, and dunk over everybody. Struggles a little bit from three-point, depending on what the numbers you look, but he definitely has improved in that area. Takes a lot of long twos, though, for my liking. And I don't know. It's just following the trend of under – not wouldn't even say undersized, but at like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, athletic point guards. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? We've seen a lot of them in the NBA. I don't know how far they all go. I mean, Russ got to the NBA Finals with 
Kevin Durant as his lead guy, you know, and with James Harden too. But Derrick Rose never got there. John Morant never got there. Barry Davis, Steve Francis, and the list goes on. They're very fun and exciting players. And I feel like a lot of people, a lot of Pistons fans have him over Brandon Miller just because the highlight package is a lot better, you Mm -hmm. know. But, I mean, I think if you were to stop just looking at the highlight package and the athleticism, really dissect their games – you'd have a more even and fair conversation between these two. Number four is going to surprise a few people, though. Taylor Hendricks, man. I have slowly – he's younger than the Thompson twins by a few months. They're, I think they're both 20. He's 19 and a half years old. He's not a shot creator. Don't need him to be. But he has defensive versatility. He could play a little bit of small ball five if you want. He has been compared to Antoine Jameson, which I love that comp for him. Strong outside scorer, can play in the post can be that roll guy. He can even dribble a little bit off the short roll and make a pass here and there, but I don't need him to do all those things. I need the defensive versatility and the shot making in what he brings. And the number five talked about him a lot, Jairus Walker, just because, man, I could see him playing the four or the five, depending on this offense. Again, another versatile defensive guy can help as a help defender, probably play a little drop when he's playing some small ball five, big body not consistent from the outside shot, a better handle than Taylor Hendricks. Again, I don't need him to do the dribbling, though. I just need him to finish around the rim. Pretty athletic player, been compared to Jeremy Grant. I like what he brings at that four spot, though. But that would be my top five if I were the Pistons, and I'm sure a lot of people would argue with me. But those are my five guys. Yeah, Taylor Hendricks at four is just sick behavior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's sick behavior. <laughs> Dude, I, I have grown to – I've been watching so many clips on Taylor Hendricks, man. Mm-hmm. I have f- fallen in love with that kid's game. Man. And he's only 19 years old. I mean, he's still a teenager. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just his game. Dude, I love his fit with the Pistons, man. I really do. Great player, but I'm not – he's not in my top five. That's fine. I, That's fine. I think I'll be a lottery projected player, but I'm, I'm not drafting – him in the top five. Uh, we both do have the same first overall pick. It's obviously Victor. I, I think even the casual NBA fan will tell you Victor is going one. Uh, number two, unlike you, I go best player available. I'm more yeah. um, with, you know, positional value. Uh, not like the Detroit Lions, by the way. Um, I'm going Scoot Henderson number two because I think he's the second best prospect in this draft, I think him and Victor have been one and two all year. I think the Brandon Miller at two conversations are cute, but I I, I think most teams are going to go with a Scoot Henderson at two just because of the freakish athlete that he is. And if you're at two and you need a point guard, you're probably drafting, you know, Scoot Henderson at number two. Number three, I have Brandon Miller. Um, like you said, you know, two-way forward. Uh, one of the best small forwards in this entire draft class, his ability just to, you know, knock down three point shots at like a 40% clip, by the way, like that, yep. that, that to me is very impressive. His handle. I see a little bit of Paul George in his handle, just kind of like his first step. You, you kind of see the, the Paul George comps. Like, obviously I've told you, I see a lot of Danny Granger in his game also. Yep, that's a good comp I just kind of think he's, you know, the, that two-way small forward that so many teams just, you know, they 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 want, they want to build around. And I, I I think he's going to be in the top three, in my personal opinion. Now, my four and five are gonna be Amin Tom or yeah, four and five, Amin and a Thompson. Okay. 
I think I think the Thompsons wins to me. I would not be surprised if Amin Thompson goes three. I could see him going over Brandon Miller. I, I I just think the Thompsons wins. They get a lot of flack for playing in the overtime elite league, and a, a lot of people are saying you know they're playing out against high schoolers. But you know what? They're still talented players. To me, I I think both of them are going to have fine NBA careers. Um, if Amin Thompson develops a jump shot. I think he could be possibly on par with Brandon Miller as a prospect. I that that's just how I think of him. Um, just just I, I know I've told you I would probably take a sword just because of his jump shots a little bit more consistent right now. Yeah. But if Amin develops, man, he's a scary two way forward. Um, s- same with the sword. I, I I think both of the Thompson twins are phenomenal. Um, I didn't have Drace or Cam Whitmore in my top five just because I, I think a lot of teams are, you know, they're they're gonna you know swing for the fences with the Thompson twins, and I think a lot of a lot of Pistons fans I've talked to they said shit I would take a mean Thompson too, just because there's just so much there with him where you're just like, man, if he can you know develop just somewhat of a jump shot, he's scary. Yeah, but I mean. That's such a big hole, though. I feel like we've had a lot of players come in like, if he can just develop a jump shot, he's going to be amazing. Do we really want to – I just don't know if he's going to be – I also look for day one players. Isn't mean a day one player, you know? I don't know how to judge his defense when he's playing an overtime elite. And I know when he's been playing, a lot of the teams he plays against, they sag off of him. They challenge him to shoot. Has he accepted the challenge to do that, though? And is he good? Is he a good enough offensive player – in the half court, because I know a lot of his buckets come in transition. Like, he's a killer in transition. You know what I'm saying? He likes to get the ball, and he likes to get out there and run, but can he do it in the half court, you know? So, I don't know. Amin Thompson, but he's 20 years old. Why don't you like uh, Taylor Hendricks? I know not Taylor Hendricks in the lottery, but, like, Taylor Hendricks is 19. Like, what are you – what don't you like about his game for the Pistons? Is it just a low ceiling for you? I don't trust the Pistons to develop him because what have they developed over the past 10 years? Well, but I mean, the same could be said about the Thompson twins though, because that's more development though. With the Thompson twins, I, I, I think there's more there where you would feel more comfortable drafting them. Like I, I don't think there's a, a, a team in the lottery that would draft Taylor Hendricks top five. Okay. I, I think there are teams out there that like him. I, I think he, he's definitely a, a player that I see a lot of Pistons fans talking about, possibly, you know, trading up in the, the first round to, to snag him because, like I said, I think he'll he'll be a lottery pick, late lottery pick. Like, I could see 12 to 14, he, he probably gets snagged by some team just because he's a freak athlete, like you said. But – I think with the Thompson twins, it's not as much you have to develop. I think with Hendricks, he's just so raw, but there's potential there, and you see it. Um, oh I, man, I think he has better a better skill set already. I think it's more of a gamble with the Thompson twins. That's just my opinion, though. Yeah, like like I said, I I I think the Thompson twins. I, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them goes top three. It's it's just. There's just so much there. I, I know if you do try to watch the overtime elite games, it's rough. Trust me, I actually did watch one over the weekend. Um, but when I see a mean, I, I I just see 
like star potential if he can develop just some some sort of jump shot just because there's there's just so much there the playmaking the rebounding the defense like it, it like I had mentioned um Shaden Sharp I think a lot of people were so anti Shaden Sharp because he didn't play in college he just played high school and everyone's like well what can you see from high school tape kids probably gonna be a bust all those same people are now saying, man, we should have drafted Shaden Sharp over Jaden Ivey. If those are the same people. And I think that'll be a similar effect with both of the Thompson twins, even though they did play in overtime, the overtime elite league, I still think talent is talent at the end of the day. And I think both of those kids are extremely talented. Man, I keep looking at different mock drafts. So there's one mock draft I have where they actually have Taylor Hendricks going at four to Charlotte, though, which seems kind of weird. And then Amin and Asur going to Portland. In Orlando. I mean, Portland makes a lot of sense for a Thompson twin, though, because they've done – for some reason, Portland has done pretty well with, like, high school guards. I don't know why, <laughs> but for some reason, they've done well with guys that have, like, almost no college experience. It's crazy. What about a guy like Anthony Black? Are you excited about a guy like him for the Pistons if they if they draft five? I think even at five, that's – a little bit of a reach. that's reaching like big time, yeah. Um, I know I, I was talking to Wes, uh, because he said he, he would consider, I, I believe, drafting Anthony Black five. And I was like, dude, I, I'm good, like maybe late lottery if you want to trade back in. It's just, he, I, I don't think Anthony Black is a top five prospect, I, I just don't. I think there's a lot of talent in the top five. I, I think he's he's more of a mid to late lottery type of guy. Man, see, he's kind of all over the place, though, but he's a guy that's slowly rising just a little bit from some of the mocks that I've looked at, though. But um, what player would you be disappointed in them drafting if the Pistons drafted in the top five? Like, who would you be disappointed in? Like, obviously, a Thompson twin you wouldn't be disappointed in. But if they went Taylor Hendricks at five, would you be pretty upset? Yeah, I, I, I think that would be a reach. I don't really think I'd be disappointed in any of the top five prospects. Like, I wouldn't be disappointed in Cam Whitmore. Because I, I think a lot of people, they're not talking about him, and I don't really understand why. I, I think he's really athletic. I, I think he would fit seamlessly in Detroit. I wouldn't be mad at Jerace Walker, but I know Pistons Twitter would probably have a meltdown because he kind of looks like a combination of Isaiah Stewart and Jeremy Grant. Um, There's nothing wrong with that, man. I mean, yeah, it's just like I said, like you don't really know like what he'll be if he'll be like a long-term starter. I think Jerace Walker would probably be the one player that Pistons fans probably don't agree with. If like if a Thompson twin is on the board and you draft like a Jerace Walker over them, they're probably infuri- they're probably furious. But like I said, what what do you look for more? Like, are you more for like a lo- like a high floor and high ceiling type of guy, or would you rather just go for like a high ceiling type of guy? Because when I draft or like when I look at drafts. I'm always looking at guys where it's like, okay, where's their floor at first? Am I comfortable if they're just going to be this player for like 10 plus years? Or because I mean, I'm really someone that wants to swing for the fences. I just don't care. Like, I think like you can end up hurting your franchise more swinging for the fences in basketball than you can just going for more of what I consider a sure thing. But how do you look at draft picks? Like more ceiling, more potential, or how they can help your team immediately? Like, what's your method? I, I think I, I look at the team first and kind of seeing like where they're at as a franchise, um, seeing what their needs are and seeing how they can get better. I think that's 
probably the first thing I do. Um, and then I go best player available. And then I, okay. I, I look at I look at ceiling. Um, if they have a potential to have a high ceiling, that's the guy I would go for. The reason why I had Scoot over Brandon Miller is because I think if Scoot develops, he has a higher ceiling than Brandon Miller. Because I kind of think Brandon Miller, to me, at his peak, uh, could possibly be a you know 15 to 20 point per game score in the NBA. It's shooting a high volume three and you know maybe shooting 38 to 40 percent from three. I, I think if Scoot you know hits his ceiling and develops, he could possibly be a two way point guard that's you know leading his team in scoring. You know making multiple All Star games. Um, so that that would kind of be my method. Is I, I look at guys that you know, possibly have high ceilings and, you know, try to maximize that if I'm, you know, doing a, a mock draft or a draft board. I feel you. I feel you. I just, man, like Scoot, Scoot Henderson, he, he's the guy that, like, normally I would be all over. Like, that's a guy, like, he's the type of guy that I really love to root for. Like, I love six foot three, six foot two athletic guards. Like, Will Bynum is still one of my favorite Pistons, man. It was so much fun to watch that little dude just try to dunk on everybody. That's what made Saban Lee a lot of fun to watch when he was in Detroit. It's just, I just feel like with Scoot Henderson, Jaden Ivey, and Cade Cunningham, none of those dudes reach their full potential as basketball players because they're all taking something away from each other. I think Jaden Ivey has the least to lose playing with both of those guys, but I feel like Cade has the most to lose playing with Scoot and Jaden Ivey because so many people just want to put him in that three spot and taking away the best parts of his game, which I completely disagree with. So I don't know. Like I love Scoot as a prospect. I just don't love him with the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. Like I said, if the Pistons were, you know, maybe they were a game or two out of the plan, then yeah, I would go for fit, but he just won 17 games. So can't really be picky when it comes to prospects. You, you got to go for a player that, you know, maybe it doesn't make a whole lot of sense on paper because you do have a lot of guards, but uh, I, I think just because you draft them doesn't mean you're keeping them. Yeah, uh, but I've, I mean, uh... I've told you that for a while. I mean, I think if you would draft Scoot right now, he would you would get more in a, a trade market than you would for a Brandon Miller. Yeah, I mean, I get I get what you guys are saying when you say that, but. It's just the type of guard he is, too. You know what I'm saying? He needs the ball in his hands. Like, if he had, like, an off-ball skill set, I'd be okay with it. I'd be It'd be fun to run all three of those out together, all three of those guys together. But, you know, he very much needs the ball in his hand, just like Cade Cunningham does, to be effective. And I understand it's positionless basketball, but some guys just operate better that way. Like, you wouldn't want to be like, yeah, we're going to take the ball out of Chris Paul's hands. And they're like, we're just going to have him play off the ball you want to get the best version of Chris Paul. Like, you would get whatever, you know, of whatever that is. It didn't work in Houston, but ah, I don't know. We're all ranting and going all over the place. We can go into the final topic. For for sure. Like I said, um, I, I think both of us each have different methods of how we draft. Obviously, you go for, obviously, fit. And some people do do fit. Like, I think outside of the lottery, a lot of teams usually go for fit. They don't usually go for best player available. Like the championship teams are going for fit. Like, do you, you, you think the the Bucks are going to draft best player available when they're at thirty? No, <laughs> they're they're drafting uh, maybe a guy that can help them contribute right away. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, man, but we can move on. This is going to be a fun final topic. 
Bleacher Report has an untouchable article, and they listed Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey as the only untouchable trade pieces on the Detroit Pistons. Now, I kind of got to dis- – I disagree a little bit. I would throw in Jalen Duran in there. I know it's early, and if you look at his numbers, not the greatest rookie season, but, again, you had to watch him play. Like, he had uh, – did he have a 2020 point? Did he have a 2020 game this year, or did he or did he come close to it? I couldn't remember if he had a full 2020 game. But I For know what, Dave Ivey? No, Jalen Duran. Uh, I think – I. I- I want to say that Spurs game in overtime, he had like close to a 2020. I, I, okay. I don't remember. Um, but um, just real quick, like just the mm-hmm. fact that he is, you know, Paul George and myself have compared him to Dwight Howard. You know, I mean, like the dude already got an, an incredible body like Dwight Howard did when he first came in. He scares people when they drive to the rim. That is only going to get better with experience. Phenomenal rebounder. I would not trade him. There's not a lot of young players I would give up for um, if I had to throw in Jalen Duran. I would have definitely added him to the untouchable list. But what are your thoughts on this article? I think it's interesting because um, I, I did go through the article and obviously you look at teams like Boston, Jason Tatum was, you know, untouchable, Trey Young for the Hawks. Um, I, I, I think with the Detroit Pistons, obviously going through a rebuild, I can understand why Bleacher Report had both Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham untouchable. Um, like I've told you before, I, I think Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham are your building blocks, much like Jalen Duren is a building block. Yeah. Um, and I, I think they should be untouchable because you're trying to build a core. You're trying to build, you know, a future with these guys. So um, every other guy on the roster is available. And I, I, I've told you, I think Kate Cunningham and Jade Nivey could be your backcourt for the next 10 years. Um, that's so highly I think of them. I, I think they'll figure it out together. And I think that they could honestly be, you know, in the all-star game together as a backcourt for the Detroit Pistons in the near future, just because both of them are great players. I mean, Kate can basically get to any spot on the court and, you know, give you 20 at any given time. Jade Nivey has shown the ability to, you know, not only – play point guard, but also play shooting guard and get to the basket and learn how to follow bait. Like I can understand why Bleacher Report had them as untouchable. And I a hundred percent agree with them. I, I think if you're trying to trade Kate Cunningham or Jaden Ivy in this rebuild so soon, it better be for a superstar. That's all I have to say. I mean, 12 games this past year, just with Kate Cunningham, he averaged 26 and six. Like it's pretty reasonable to think he's going to be a 23 to 25 point scorer in the NBA, especially when he starts knocking down that three-point shot a little bit more. Those assist and rebound numbers are only going to go up with the talent on this team. Yeah, I agree. Like, he's untouchable. Jaden Ivey is untouchable. But I just wanted them to throw Jalen Dern in there as well just because I think he's the five-man going forward. For sure. Um, We got a really funny comment uh, from Escobar. Uh, And he asked, you're not going to add Isaiah Livers as an untouchable Dude, I mean, I look, as much as I love Isaiah Livers, he is not untouchable on this team. Like, if there's a – if they can flip him for a better player, yeah, dude, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt real bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'll, I might cry. You know, I might be a little sad. But, dude, it's, if it improves the team, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. So do you agree with this this list of they shouldn't trade them, or are you indifferent about it? No, I 
No, I 100% agree. I just wish they would have added Jalen Dern because, like I said, I'm not really trading him for anything. And, yeah, no, I mean, that's why I was so confused when people – like I've seen some people talk about trading Jaden Ivey. I wouldn't want to trade Jaden Ivey. I want to see his career play out for the Detroit Pistons. You know, I mean, if he's an all-star or not, like I think he's going to be on the cusp a few times of being an all-star. He definitely brings the highlights that you want to see that's going to make him a popular player. Um, he's from Detroit. Like, why would we want to get rid of a hometown kid? You know, I mean, I, yeah, I agree with this list, man. I really do. I just wish they would have threw Dern on it. That's it. Yeah, um, I could understand that, too. Like, obviously, you want to keep Dern. But like I said, if <laughs> I, I had mentioned it, um, maybe Joel Embiid went out, you know? Yeah. Maybe a package of James Wiseman and not Joel Embiid. I mean, you're talking crazy, but you never know. Like, um, but I, I think that's the type of trade that probably Troy would want for Jalen Duran because he thinks so highly of him. Like, even in his like end of the season press conference, he said, I was surprised that he was still there at 13. Like I, I thought he would have been drafted, but um hundred percent agree with you. I I, I think Cade, Jade Ivy, and Jalen Duran are your building blocks and Obviously, everyone's available for the right price, but you know your price is probably going to be through the roof for a Kate Cunningham and through the roof for a Jaden Ivey, uh, just because these are guys that you know are going to get you out of this rebuild and start getting you playoff wins. And you know, having more than seventeen wins, maybe you're having forty wins. Um, so that's just my stance on it. Yeah, I'm. I'm even just trying to think of players like, okay, who could you throw out there? where you're like, okay, cool, I would give up Cade Cunningham for him. I mean, like, obviously, like, Kevin Durant, yeah, at some point you would have been like, okay, I'll take Kevin Durant over Cade Cunningham. But right now, Kevin Durant's age. But I mean, like, if the Phoenix Suns threw out Devin Booker, mm-hmm. and they were like, hey, well, you give us Jaden Ivey, we'll give you Devin Booker. You know what I'm saying? You you, you got to make that trade. Yeah, like I said, that's that's probably not going to happen. That's like a 2 no, trade. Will. That's like a 2K trade. Like, oh, yeah, 100%. you're not going to trade, you know, these high draft picks for peanuts, even though, like, the last time we traded a high draft pick, we got, like, what did we get for Andre Drummond? Like, John Henson and Brandon Knight. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, you know that's not going to happen. Yeah. That's not going to happen. But you, you get what I'm saying. Like, honestly, uh, to have them as untouchable in a Bleacher Report article, I, I, I think it kind of tells you that even Bleacher Report's like, yeah, the, Detroit would be stupid to trade these guys. Yeah, like I said, there's not many guys. Like, I'm thinking of, like, Anthony Edwards. I would rather have Cade and um, Jaden Ivey over Anthony Edwards, which is kind of tough to say because I love Jaden – I mean, love Anthony Edwards' games. Or, like, SGA, you know, like how we were talking on an earlier podcast. Like, if he had been available, like, you know, whatever that trade was, even though I don't think it was real. Like, that would that's an interesting one in itself, too. Like, is SGA – would you give up a Cade or Jaden Ivey for for him? You know, I mean, it's a fun – it's a fun – to talk about for sure but both of those guys untouchable for me yeah same here i mean unless you're throwing a you know a start back in return then we can have that conversation but uh i bet you nine out of ten times uh these front offices are like throwing like i don't know like gary trent (laughs) for like gate like you know it's just a waste of time when you hang up in two seconds oh my gosh with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We do appreciate you guys, you know, listening to us for, it seems like we're on for two hours every weekend. I, I know, but it's so much fun, man. It's I absolutely so love fun. it. But why don't you tell the people where they can find the podcast, where they can support it, and where they can, you know, give it five stars. But thank you guys for listening to the Pistons Talk podcast. Do us a favor, go to Google, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. After you subscribe, leave a review, drop a rating. But more importantly, tell a Pistons fan.